Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Up next, Luna Talks with Anna Paulina Luna, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. All eyes are on Cuba, where the brave Cuban people are rebelling against their communist oppressors. For those who think communism can work if it's done correctly, here's Exhibit 1000 that communism destroys every country that tries it. Yet in America, we keep allowing government to grow like a cancer while big tech censors us as they please. Will the world ever learn? This is Luna Talks with Anna Paulina. Welcome back to Luna Talks with Ana Paulina Luna. I'm Ana Paulina, and this week we're talking about Cuba, communism, and how it all relates to the creeping authoritarianism we're seeing right here at home. Plus, I have a conversation with one of America's leading Hispanic conservatives, the daughter of a Cuban exile, about her family's story and the dangers of censorship here in America. But first, what exactly is happening in Cuba? Interestingly enough, I actually had gotten a phone call from a friend of mine saying, hey, have you turned on the news? I checked social media. I saw the trending stories, but I didn't just find out from there. What was important to me is that I actually received a text from some of my family members that weren't even really political, saying that they were horrified that they were seeing this crisis take place in Cuba and that the government was censoring their citizens. Well, I responded, that's what happens under communism. But the point is, it's ironic seeing the outrage when currently over 50% of Americans are actively being censored by big tech. Unfortunately, it sounds all too familiar and uncomfortably familiar at that. What about all those people, those Facebook postings that were being taken down, people being banned, shadow banned, outright silenced? You know, it was unfortunate, but people, especially conservatives, especially Republicans, and I would even argue some libertarians would joke about getting out of Facebook jail or say that they were in Facebook jail and they couldn't communicate with their friends and family. But doesn't that sound eerily familiar as to what's happening right now to the people in Cuba? Censorship is usually a red flag when it comes to big government not being friends of the citizens it claims to represent or protect. Look at what Twitter did. They immediately took these protests. We know that these people were protesting communism. But if you look at the headlines and the boosting that Twitter gave some of these people, it was to say that the people of Cuba were protesting due to a lack of vaccine access and limited food supply, which... I would argue they're about half right. Obviously, communism completely prevents a normal chain of food supply. However, these people were not protesting due to lack of vaccine access. They were protesting against communism. And those are two very different things. And by the way, I will add this. Cuba and their medical system, they might have free healthcare, but one thing that they don't have is good healthcare. And there's a big difference. For those that think that communism just hasn't been done correctly, I would argue you're not smart. 
Communism has effectively been only good at destroying every country that tries it. Part of the only reason, might I add, that China's actually thriving is because they're ripping off all of our ideas brought forth by capitalism, which still, although it's not perfect, is the best alternative that we currently have. Had it not been for the United States continuously through capitalism being able to try out innovative new ideas, being given access to resources and opportunity for people to excel, we wouldn't have some of the medical breakthroughs and technological breakthroughs that we've had. And might I add, you know, Elon Musk had the opportunity to go to any country in the world. And he came here into the United States because he realized that even with SpaceX and Tesla and all the companies that he currently has, that the United States provides opportunity and environment, not just for himself to actually thrive at, but be able to raise his family safely in. Remember this, China will not thrive if it is not for the United States. They steal all of our ideas. And while we basically send them our industry and have them basically owning us production wise, they are literally developing their infrastructure to essentially, I believe, eventually at some form globally dominate. That is China's ultimate goal. Now, if you look at what's happening, though, in Cuba and you look at the skewed results that were brought forth by the media, especially targeting the conservative and even Spanish-speaking American base, you will see that there was definitely an attempt to, I think, falsely promote the real reason why these people were rebelling. So one of the things that I do on the side is I'm actually the chief correspondent for a bilingual Spanish-speaking news company, and it's called El American. So it's interesting because if you look at how Spanish media is currently monopolized by both Univision and Telemundo, both of these news outlets are not conservative. In fact, they're very left-leaning. And I think the number is of every 10 news pieces that basically come out of these organizations, seven of those 10 are left-leaning. And they're not even left-leaning in saying, okay, you know, there are soft Democrats. They're actually promoting very progressive, very anti-American ideas to a demographic that arguably is now the largest voting minority in the country and should, for all argument's sakes, have fair access to genuine information and a true perspective, not political propaganda or a political bias. So at El American, we try to do that, report the news, and then also to ensure that we are giving a fair platform and access to elected officials, especially Republicans, that actually understand the whores of communism, people like Marco Rubio who have been able to share their stories, those people aren't being given a platform in some of these monopolized news outlets that are basically targeting the Spanish-speaking news audience. And that is going to be increasingly important, especially when we see what's happening in Cuba for people that are from there, for people that are first and second generation, maybe even you know fresh American citizens that aren't necessarily great English speakers, for them to be given access to what's currently happening, not just around the world, but here in the United States as well. So one of the most interesting connections I happened to make during my time as a grassroots conservative activist, and mind you guys, I had actually traveled around the country. I would talk to the, I talked to the RNC. I talked to different like local GOP groups. I talked to activists and people that wanted to just get involved to help really, I think, save the fabric of this country. Because we're seeing a lot of crazy stuff right now just come out of Washington, D.C., out of Hollywood, all around the country. It's like we're in this weird, bad dream that I feel like sometimes it's hard to wake up from. But one of the best connections I was able to make was with a woman by the name of Elisa Slider. So Elisa is and was formerly the Republican National Hispanic Assembly Vice Chairwoman which that organization is supposed to help the conservative Republican 
movement in the United States, but also to to help candidates. Unfortunately, I would say that they are definitely in need of new leadership. And since Elisa left, it's unfortunately kind of been in shambles. But nonetheless, she also happens to be the cousin of Senator Marco Rubio. And being in Florida especially, it's important to note that we have this massive Cuban demographic. And it was funny because after the 2020 election cycle, so many Democrat strategists were trying to figure out why is it that the Hispanic vote went to Trump? Why is it especially in Florida and like in Miami-Dade County that was specific or that was supposed to be this, you know, blue area? Why did it flip red for Trump? And it's because these people, the descendants of those that literally fled communism are living relatives and still know the horrors of what happens in communist countries. It's not uncommon especially if you go down to Miami and you have friends out there, for them to tell you stories of their grandparents and or their parents, telling them stories of secret police going around in the night, arresting political opposition, and then their family members just completely disappearing, never to ever hear from them again. You know, the government of Cuba, before the initial takeover to full-fledged communism, took power and they basically hunkered down on the media. So media in any form to include print, radio, television, And now the internet is all controlled by the Communist Party of Cuba. And I remember hearing Elisa tell me stories about what had happened to her grandfather. He was a political prisoner, from what I recall. And why her family was so adamant about being against communism is because he would tell them these stories. It wasn't uncommon discussion for them. They knew firsthand what happens under this type of government. And if I can add for a moment, it's also interesting to note that What's happening in Cuba, I know some people might feel helpless and they're saying, okay, well, why is it that the president, why isn't Biden getting more involved? Well, if you look at the platform that Biden's pushing and what they're trying to usher in, I think here in the United States with Bernie Sanders and AOC and these radical members of the squad, you know, they seem to tell the the American people that communism and socialism is okay. It just hasn't been done correctly and that they would never do that to the American people. But it's not our job to trust people that we don't know. It's our job to adhere to the standards that we are given, that were set forth by the founders, the people that wrote the constitution, and also to, to ensure that we really do take our second amendment seriously, because as awful as it is to see what is happening in Hong Kong and to see what's happening in Cuba and to see what's happening to the people of China, I will tell you that the one thing that sets us apart and sets the American people apart from those people is the fact that we have the Second Amendment that essentially empowers us not only over government, but gives us the ability to ensure that those atrocities never take place here in the United States. So it's going to be increasingly important, if I already haven't said it again in other episodes, to make sure that we are doing everything that we can to fight for the Second Amendment, because that is, again, one of the key differences between us and them. So I'm happy to say that we have actually had um, Elisa agree to come here with us today to share her story and give us a powerful perspective on the dangers of big overbearing government, not just in Cuba, but here at home in the United States. And we will be back with Elisa right after this short break. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 
So welcome to the show, Elisa. I know that I have known you for several years, but for those who may not know about you, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name's Elisa Slider. Um, I'm a small business owner out here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm a mom of two kids and I've been somewhat politically active the past few years. Uh, I was on President Trump's Latinos for Trump advisory board, and I'm currently the uh, president for American Up. That's absolutely incredible, especially because I look at you and I know your story, which is what we're going to be getting to in a few seconds. But I mean, for someone that obviously you have so much going on, I know that your business is absolutely thriving, but how did you really even segue into politics? Because I feel like, especially now, a lot of women don't typically tend to do that. And especially at your age or like my age range, it's like, usually people are kind of just like focused on going to school and like work and then raising their kids. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No. Um, so growing up, you know, my, my family's Cuban and I, we grew up with a lot of the stories, you know, uh, of what happened and how our family ended up here. And I have a cousin who ran for president, Senator Marco Rubio, and um, he ran for president. And so when he was running for president um, out here in Las Vegas, and I noticed there wasn't really a Hispanic outreach. And so I decided to get involved. So I got involved in this campaign out here. And then I joined the RNHA, which was the Republican Hispanic Assembly. And I got involved out here and started a chapter here with some people. and that's. That was my step into the to, to, to the political realm. <laughs> it's been kind of a roller coaster since then. It's yeah. so crazy, even just hearing you say that. Like you had a cousin that ran for president. Like, like usually like, people are like weird. I had a cousin that like got arrested. I know, like I have a cousin that got arrested. Like, but your cousin <laughs> literally ran for president, which is just such an incredible thing. I think that it just goes to show America is obviously incredible that people can yeah. come here or have family come here from another country and then obviously turn around and you know, a generation later, two generation later, run to be the leader of the free world, which is absolutely, I think what the American dream is, but you know, you're, you mentioned that your family had a history and like knew what happened in Cuba. Right. I mean, what happened to your family? What were you told growing up about these stories? What were you, what did you hear? So, um, the biggest person to sit me down constantly was my grandfather. So he, he wanted us to understand what they went through there and the reason why we're here and, and why he was so proud to be American. So, um, he ended up getting involved in politics there. He was going through college. And of course, back then, everybody was political because of what was happening. You had Castro coming up and everybody was against Batista at the time, you know, because they thought he was not a great person. And so a lot of people got involved and they wanted to save their countries, how they, you know, th- that was their feeling at the time. So um, it ended up being that Castro took over and he somewhat tricked a lot of people into thinking that he was actually there to help. And he claimed he wasn't a, a socialist or a communist. I mean, straight up said it, there's interviews showing it, but he, he made those claims and everybody believed him and, and it ended up being that it was the complete opposite. And so a lot of the people who were actually helping him in the beginning ended up becoming enemies to him because they knew, um, he knew that they were actually against communism and socialism. And that's what he was really about. So uh, things got pretty bad. A lot of things got bad actually really quickly they start taking over property start taking over everything there the government did and my family had to leave so um my mom uh was it she was a child at the time but her and her sister were uh brought over when they were young with my grandparents well excuse me my grandmother so it was her along with eight different sisters they had all kind of come to america at 
together, you know, the whole family kind of moved together. Um, but at the time, my grandfather couldn't come because he was actually at that point already thrown into jail wow. as a political prisoner. Um, and he wasn't able to come till about like a year or two later when he was able to actually fake documents to be able to come over to America to, to become a citizen here later on. But it, it took a while before he was able to come. And so I, that was the story we grew up with, you know, that the craziness that it, it took for my grandfather to be able to come over here and, and to be back with his family and all the stuff that they lost back there. Wow. I even just hearing that and you're talking about how your grandfather got involved because he wanted to save his country and all of these people were politically active because they saw the writing on the wall. And I feel like a lot of that is somewhat what's happening today now in the United States. And I feel like we're at this tipping point to where we can either salvage what's left and save this, or we are going to go past the point of no return, which I try to stay an optimist, but I mean, just hearing that actually gave me chills as you were saying that, you know, not many Americans can say that they've had their family in prison for political beliefs. And I want to get more into that in a second, right after this short break, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back with Elisa. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Segwaying back in from that previous comment that you made, I mean, how old were you when your grandfather actually sat you down and told you this story? Honestly, I think I, it, it's always been that story. So I mean, growing up, it was like every Sunday, my grandfather would take us to this park down the street from where I'm at now. It's a national park. And we would always sit in the car and he would tell us the stories about Cuba. I mean, from the time I can remember, uh, my earliest memories are, are him telling us stories about Cuba. So I, I probably like six years old. I mean, so do you, your family, it was like common knowledge that your family taught you that this is not okay. This is what happened. I mean, did you guys ever hear, I guess, did your grandfather have like actually lose friends that were killed there in Cuba before he was able to escape? From what I understand, yes. He didn't like to talk about that, that side of it, if that makes sense. Um, I think that brought a lot of sadness to him. Um, I think that in some ways they felt betrayed too, uh, you know, for originally being on one side and then having to go to the other side and it, you end up having to turn against a lot of your own friends who were with you in the beginning. So those are things that he didn't really talk much about with us. So, I mean, obviously you having such a strong family history and like actually, you know, for arguments saying having skin in the game in regards to fighting communism right now, I think, and I had mentioned this earlier in the episode, but censorship is always one of those red flags that you should be aware of. And mm -hmm. I think that right now in history, as opposed to any other time, we have these tech platforms, right? So like Facebook, Google, Twitter, Instagram. And right now, the most alarming thing is I think that Facebook has recently asked users to basically rat out your friends on Facebook if you think that they're extremists. And then they ask you if you've been exposed to this extremist content. Yeah. And it's like super ironic, right? Because if you look at history and that term of like, what is extremism? You know, George Washington, all 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, I'm sure Jesus Christ himself would have probably been labeled an extremist at that point in time by their opposing governments, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting that that's the term that they're using to describe other Americans that simply don't ally with them. So I know you're a mother and I know that you're seeing what's happening now. You grew up with these stories 
I mean, what do you think about the future for your kids? Like, where are you at in regards to what do you think will happen? Because I think that you provide not just a perspective of someone who's been involved in politics, but someone who still is like hoping that we can turn this around. Right. No. Um, so growing up, we heard the stories about, um, families, like the, the children, when they went to school, they were actually taught to tell on their parents, if their parents were, um, in the schools, if, if their parents were talking poorly about the government or about certain policies, anything that they, they thought was, um, was against communism or whatever they were promoting at the time, they, they were taught to tell the teachers on their own parents. So we hear a lot about that, um, you know, now with the, with, what's happening over there. You're hearing all those stories come out where even neighbors rat each other out. They actually have like in different neighborhoods, actually people who are there in those neighborhoods to that's their purpose is to monitor what's happening in those neighborhoods and make sure there's no extremists uh, who will rise up against the government. Um, so thinking about that and how I, I actually, I didn't get the warning on Facebook, which makes me think I'm one of the ones they're worried about. Uh, <laughs> You know, um, it's kind of of terrifying. I've got uh, two teenagers. Um, My son is 19, my daughter's 16, and I am terrified. I'm terrified that they're going to leave this, they're going to, excuse me, the country's going to become something that my family felt. And and I don't want them to go through that. I don't want them to have to flee another country like that. uh, You don't want that for your family. So I'm praying to God that Americans wake up and see what's really happening and that we fight back and, and we stop this now. Because it, it, it is enough. We can't I mean, I, I think it's interesting. I've heard a lot of people, especially those that, you know, went through communism in Venezuela and Cuba and everything that's happened. I mean, what other place in the world do people have the ability to run to? No one's going to run to the UK. <laughs> I mean, no, no. It's not like we're going to run to Canada. I mean, Justin Trudeau, I don't know who's worse, but I feel like in general, I mean, the United States is the last stand, I think, in regards to anywhere in the world that people can go and truly have freedom. And so to hear you say that, I hope that people that are tuning in are are choosing to then also to realize that they have to get involved in the education system. Because from my understanding in Cuba, they weaponize the education system against parents, against their people. And then they've used it over the last, you know, however many years to really indoctrinate and I think suppress the people of that nation. What can parents do to get more involved with the education system currently? Well, even something as simple as paying attention to what your children are being taught at home. So um, I've had my children come home with assignments that were definitely left-leaning, definitely promoting socialism, communism. At one point, uh, the teacher was arguing with my daughter about socialism and how great it was in class and had pictures of Che Guevara and, you know, <laughs> on the board. And, and she's like, do you not understand what that means to certain people? To us, he was a, a, a racist homophobe and he was, you know, a, a murderer, you know, but she's over there praising him. And so, of course, I called the school right away and, and <laughs> you know, I didn't hold back and they know me very well. Um, Latino women, (laughs) you know, so it's it's something as simple as just paying attention to what's coming home and paying attention to what they're being taught and, and have your kids talk to you about it. Like, you know, I would always ask every day, like, Hey, how to go to school today? You know, how are things? And my daughter's very vocal. If she didn't like something, she let me know, or she would let the office know herself. So, um, but my son was the more quiet one. And he was the one who came home one time with an assignment that, um, was talking about Hispanic women. Uh, one of the questions, like, what are Hispanic women more 
Democrat, Republican, this and that. And the answer was they're more liberal Democrat than this and that. And my son, he couldn't answer it like that because his mom at the time, (laughs) the vice chairwoman of the Republican Hispanic Assembly, and she was part of other organizations and uh, Hispanic organizations. And so um, he was like, "Uh, no, my mom's Hispanic and, and she's definitely conservative and Republican. And, you know, and that's how he answered the question. But it was, but they're being taught this already at a young age, like what certain groups, how they should vote and how they should lean. And I mean, I think it's prejudice is what it is. It's, 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 it's it's assuming and basically categorizing people on their skin color when in actuality, it's not about that at all. And it's not about, you know, your ethnicity, it's about your ideologies as an American and that, you know, it's okay for Hispanics to be conservative to be Republican and like you leading out the good fight. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so that was shocking. So it's like I said, something as simple as getting started there, paying attention to what the kids are bringing home, definitely call that office. Like, don't be share, Don't be shy. Like I, I would hop on that phone as soon as I saw something that I didn't think was okay. Made sure I, my voice was known. My daughter made sure her voice was known. So, you know, we, we're, we're pretty good about that, but also, you know, attend your local school board meetings. You'd be surprised at what you hear at those school board meetings. I mean, and and there have been a lot of parents now that are stepping up and they're going to these meetings and they're recording it and they're showing what's happening. So that's, that's one of some of the best things you can do, you know, start it at home and then, and then grow up from there, you know? Well, I mean, you bring up great points. It's always, I think everything starts locally. And I think that we have really the opportunity to take this back, but even just hearing from your experiences and that of your grandparents, I mean, we can learn from that and we cannot repeat these same mistakes in the future. And so I do think that we are going to actively get involved and are actively going to continue to have to be involved. And then also too, I mean, social media has been such a powerful tool. And I know that you share some pretty awesome stuff, especially on your Instagram page. I I look at it all the time and I appreciate it because sometimes I find that I'm actually, you know, that's where I get my media, my news. And so you post some great stuff. Where can people find you on your social media channels to stay in touch with you, to see what you're up to and find out ways to get involved? So on Instagram and on Twitter, I'm La Cubana Misfit. Um, It's kind of (laughs) random, but I thought it kind of fit, you know, and then on Facebook, I'm at least a slider. So I just put the symbol on there. Yeah. But yeah, I I tend to post some funny things because, you know, we can't. (laughs) We have to try to take some things lightly as much as we possibly can, you know, because life is short. Well, also too, I think that, you know, memes and those images are so powerful because it points out the hypocrisy. And sometimes you just, you see this policy that they're trying to push and you're just like in shock. It's so crazy. And it sounds absolutely bonkers when you put it down on paper and you actually realize what it is. So I appreciate you posting that humor aspect of it, but thank you so much for tuning in today here with Luna Talks. We would love to have you back again. And thank you so much again for sitting down with us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before we go, I want to thank Elisa Slider again for a great interview. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Parlor, Getter, Facebook, and Instagram at Real Anna Paulina. And a special thank you to producer Drew Steele, writer Aaron Kligman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.